Here's what's coming up in this week's episode of Together for Salem. What darkness do you need God to break through? So I have this question for all of us. Is it possible God has been using the unexpected to break through in ways you didn't expect? See, it's possible that we've been expecting our lives to take certain paths, paths that we think are are good and righteous paths. We had good plans. We wanted to help people and and have this certain life. We were expecting God to get on board with that path. Like, God, here's the path I want. Get on board, bless me with this path. We've been so consumed with expecting that, that maybe we haven't been able to see the light that he has been shining this whole time. episode of Together for Salem. This is my son, Andrew. I'm Monica. We are starting our new Christmas series, Light in the Darkness, which is going to start real quick. But Andrew and I have a few announcements for you. Are you ready? First of all, Andrew, what's your favorite Christmas tradition? I just love the presents and spending time with my family. Sometimes it snows. It's always cool. We're hoping for snow this year. I'm with you on that one. That's good. All right. Well, we're going to be talking this month about Christmas traditions and the meaning of Christmas and um, things like that. So be sure you subscribe and like, like oh, and yeah. subscribe, like and subscribe, so that you and are... click the bell and click the bell. What's the bell do? Notifications. Notifications in which app or website? YouTube. YouTube's. So in YouTube's, click the bell because then it tells you. It's called YouTube, not YouTube. Oh, it's called YouTube, right? Anyway, click like, subscribe, hit that bell so that you're notified of further episodes. Other yes. stuff. So we have a lot packed into this episode. So Andrew and I are not going to take up a lot more of your time. We want to say one more thing, which is fill out the welcome form. If you are new here, if you've never watched before, or you've never let us know you're watching, the welcome form is a great way to say hi. Uh, you can request some prayer if you need prayer right now. Um, if you want a Bible, we'll send you a free Bible. Uh, there's a lot of things on the welcome form, so be sure to check it out. But right now... We are the O'Connors. My name is Brian. This is Catherine, my daughter. Julie, my wife. Andrew, my son. <laughs> and uh, we are going to tell you a little bit about our Christmas traditions. I like to put the lights on the house. Um, gets me in the Christmas mood. Helps if it's cold and rainy. And then, uh, you know, day after Thanksgiving, we always go out and get ourselves a tree. How about you? Um, my favorite Christmas traditions are at the bottom of our stockings when we wake up, there's always a bunch of peppermints. Yeah, a good pile of them, huh? My favorite part about Christmas is I love to bake, I love spending time with friends and family, um, and advent calendars. Those are always a hit. My favorite Christmas traditions are hanging out with family, hanging Christmas ornaments, and finding out what our ultimate job is. And Andrew's going to read a couple verses from the book of Matthew. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. 
His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiance, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicity. So he decided to break the engagement. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! One of my favorite Christmas traditions is the lights. I love Christmas lights. If I had the budget and the time, my house would be crazy lit up. It would be lit. Also, one of our favorite family traditions has to do with lights too. We get the kids in the car because they're still little. They have to do what we tell them. And we, we drive around to the different neighborhoods and look at all the lights and we say, hey, this, tonight let's count how many Santas we see or how many baby Jesuses we see or reindeer or whatever. I just love the Christmas lights. And have you maybe noticed this year, especially if you're in, you're in Salem maybe, that um, it seems like people put up their Christmas lights early this year. Like two weeks, like two weeks before Thanksgiving, maybe a week after uh, Halloween, people had their lights up. Why? What's that about? Why do you think that is? See, I think it kind of has to do with the way 2020's been, right? It's just felt like a, a dark year. And there's just something about the lights shining in the darkness that I think we, we usually long for, but even now this year, we were just longing for some light in the darkness. We need some light in 2020. And these, these colors, these bright lights shining out in the darkness, almost like defiantly shining out some joy and hope in what's been, for a lot of people, a really dark year. We're hoping these lights may, might, you know, chase away the darkness. And if we are honest, the world does seem dark. Even before 2020, the world has felt dark. You look at world events in your lifetime, there's, and if you pay attention to different parts of the world, there's been darkness. There's been conflict. There's been turmoil. There's been people pushed out of their homes for so many different reasons, like war and famine and that type of thing. Just darkness around us, but also even closer to home. There's this separation that maybe we've dealt with, maybe right now dealing with isolation. There's always this darkness inside of us, too, whether we care to admit it or not. There's this loneliness. There's maybe anger, guilt, fear, pain. Pain that, and these things that we didn't even cause ourselves, they've been put on us. There's this darkness that we just have to deal with because we're human. Because we, we live in this world, and it's always been this way. This isn't anything new. In fact, when we think of you know Jesus' time, first century Middle East, think about a dark world, a world lit only by fire, no electricity. Like The physical darkness of that world was probably a bit overwhelming. And this, the darkness would hide horrible things, whether imaginary or, or real, or like a a raiding army coming in under cover of darkness, or thieves coming to rob and steal and kill in the darkness. But also in that time, there is this darkness of superstition, of uh, religious fear, right? Of the gods are going to get you, or God is going to get you. You have to follow his law, or he's going to smite you. There's You don't know if your good outweighs your bad. There's not a lot of hope, just, just darkness. 
Rome ruled the world. Maybe it brought some peace, but if you weren't on their side, you're probably done for. You had no rights if you weren't a Roman citizen. Darkness. If you lived in the area Jesus lived with the, the Jewish religious leaders who said, you have to follow these rules and these traditions, and if you don't, you're going to be kicked out into the darkness. You're going to be kicked out of society, kicked out of the synagogue. You're going to be on your own, and your life is going to be dark. It's very similar to, to our lives now in, in different aspects. There's just this darkness. There was darkness everywhere. There's darkness everywhere now, inside of us, outside of us. But, see, darkness seems overwhelming. Darkness seems overwhelming until the tiniest light is lit. Think about that. You can be in, if you've ever been in those deep, dark caves, and they turn off all the lights, it just you can almost taste and feel the darkness until they light one small little light, and the darkness starts disappearing. It starts losing its power. And see, God is a God of light, not of darkness. And throughout human history, he had a plan to do something about this darkness that we see around us and in us. He had a plan to bring a blazing light into a dark world and into our dark lives. In fact, his best friend John put it this way, or Jesus' best friend John put it this way. The one who is the true light, he's talking about Jesus, his best friend, the one who is the true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. It's kind of setting the stage for the idea of the first Christmas. The one who is the true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And so in this Christmas season, in this Christmas series, A Light in the Darkness, here's what Christmas shows us. No matter how dark it gets, the light will always break through. No matter how dark it gets, the light will always break through. But it might not always look the way we expect. And so Matthew, one of Jesus' closest followers, one of his disciples, a guy who knew Jesus' mom, Mary, a guy who knew Jesus' little brother, James, wrote about Jesus and his life and wrote down probably what he was told by Mary and James about Jesus' birth and how that happened. He probably wrote this account that we call the Book of Matthew. It's just an eyewitness account of Jesus' life. He probably wrote it in the 60s or 70s AD. And this is kind of how he introduces the idea of Jesus being born. He says this, This is how Jesus, the Messiah, meaning the promised one, in Greek, or yeah, in Greek, the word it's Christ, meaning Savior, the promised one of God, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. Meaning, this is how God's promised plan to save the world happened. And you might be thinking, save the world? Save the world from what? Save me from what? what? Why do we need saving? Well, here's the thing. Think about it. When we look around us, when we look around us and in us, we see a darkness that we are powerless to illuminate. Be honest with yourself for a minute. When you look around you, when you're able to kind of look inside of you, there's a darkness that we are powerless to illuminate. There's a darkness that we can't really light up and chase away from every corner of our lives. And we try to, sure, of course we try to, right? With maybe maybe politics and the right politician will chase the darkness out of the world and maybe make us feel better. We try to add laws or moral codes to our lives to chase the darkness out of society. Maybe if you are in a class and your teacher tried, tried to chase the darkness out of the class by having class rules. And we also try to protect ourselves. Maybe insulate ourselves 
from this darkness, whether it's money or position or relationships or independence, or we just ignore the darkness, or we try to control the, uh, those around us in order that the darkness doesn't affect us so much. Well, the biblical writings, both Jewish and Christian writings, say that this darkness is caused by the religious word sin. Sin basically is the things we do to look out for ourselves. The things we do to protect ourselves from the darkness that hurt other people. See, and that just marginalizes and hurts others. When we do those things, it creates more darkness. When we just look out for number one, it creates more darkness in the world and in us, in our hearts. And are you a parent? Or do you have a kid or kids that you care about, that you love? If you saw them in pain, if you saw them in trouble, if you saw them in, in harm's way, what would you do? Obvious, right? You would step in. You would, you would step in between them and whatever's causing them pain. You would do something, right? Because you love them. Well, throughout the Jewish scriptures, throughout human history, God promised a savior to save humanity from the unfixable, overwhelming darkness, both outside of us and inside of us. And so Matthew is saying, this is how God chose to bring light in that darkness. And he's saying, I know it sounds crazy, especially what we're going to read in a second. I know it sounds crazy, and it's, it's not how you would expect God to fix the darkness, to bring light into the darkness, but I saw Jesus. I, I knew him. He knew me. I talked with him. I ate with him. I lived with him for three years. And I know people who were there from the very beginning. And so Matthew's point, really, in all of this is God's love for humanity moved him to break into human history. That's the point of what Matthew's about to tell us. God's love for humanity moved him, moved God, to break into human history. And it starts with what seems like the, the craziest, hardest part to believe of this, this Jesus story, this Christmas story. Even the, the heroes, the main characters of this story, don't believe it at first. And so here's, here's what Matthew writes. He says, This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. And you might want to stop me right there and say, virgin birth? Yeah, that doesn't happen. I know. <laughs> it's, if the virgin birth is hard to believe for you, you are in great, great company because Joseph didn't believe it at first either. Why? Because the same reason for us, why it's hard to believe. Because that's not how things work. Babies don't just magically appear in mommy's tummy. It happens another way. I'm trying to be sensitive for you watching with your young kids right now. So you don't have to answer a bunch of questions. But that's just not how babies are made. They don't just show up in mom's tummy. We know that. It's impossible. Which is kind of like the point of it being a miracle, right? If it just happened every day, it would be no big thing. But let's paint the scenario for Joseph here, what Joseph's dealing with in this. See, Mary being pregnant before she was married is a huge deal at that time. It's a scandal. In, a, in, the, in the small, tight-knit community of their near, or their ancient Near Eastern world, 
the social norms of the time, the culture of the time, her being pregnant is a huge problem. An engagement at that time, a little bit different than this time, it was like a legally binding agreement between two families. So this is a huge deal that she winds up pregnant before they've actually had their marriage. And so there's only three explanations for why she's pregnant, obviously, right? Either Joseph took advantage of Mary, dishonoring her and her family and his family. Either Mary was taken advantage of by somebody else, which she wasn't claiming, and if she had claimed that, there would have been legal protections for her with that. Or she had willfully committed adultery against Joseph. And so in this scenario, Joseph's reputation is at stake. And we're going to talk more about that in a couple of weeks. His reputation is at stake because if he chooses to still marry her, the community will think either he's dishonorable, he did the deed, or he doesn't care that his wife's sleeping around. And so his whole reputation... And so his whole reputation is at stake. And because this engagement was legally binding, only a legal divorce could end the engagement. And Jewish and Roman law actually said, it demanded that a man divorce his wife for adultery. If you want to keep culture clean and you want to keep the family strong and have a, a healthy community, then adultery needed to be dealt with. And it demanded that if a woman was caught in adultery, she be divorced. And so in order to be righteous, to follow the laws and the customs of his time, he needed to divorce Mary. But here's the thing about Joseph. See, he's more than simply a law-following righteous man. He's more than just, oh, sorry, that's the rule. Tough luck for you. You're out because I follow the rules. See, that's not what we see in Joseph here. He's, he's merciful righteous. He balances law with compassion. See, he understood something about God. He understood that for God, mercy and compassion always outshine law and punishment. Think about that. For God, mercy and compassion always outshine law and punishment. And Joseph, Joseph understood that. So this pregnancy in Joseph's eyes has already ruined Mary's life. Now that she's pregnant without being married, there's not much chance for her to get remarried to someone else. She's She's brought shame on her whole family in this shame-honor society of the Middle East. Legally, though it didn't happen much, she could be stoned to death for this. She'd prop, probably, possibly, be kicked out of her home. Think about it. There, in that time period, there was not many options for a defenseless, homeless, teenage, single mother. Her future is basically over. And so Joseph didn't want to add more humiliation, more ridicule, more shame to her. And so he decided to divorce her quietly. Even though he had total right to, to divorce her publicly, in fact, if he had divorced her publicly, he had claimed to the dowry that her family was supposed to pay him for marrying her. He decided to give that up in order to be honorable to her. He decided mercy should outshine law and punishment. And so, I mean, this is a weird story if you think about it. If this is God's plan to save humanity, what is going on? Why did God choose it to be this way? This is not how anybody would actually write the story if they're making it up, right? This is not how anybody would expect God to work, to break into human history. Why does he make it so difficult on Joseph and Mary? Why does he make it just so difficult for a lot of people just to believe the story in the first place? 
there might be a deep theological meaning to this, and I've heard some good ones, but honestly, we don't know for sure. I don't know why did God why God chose to do it this way, but we do know that it was not an accident. See, hundreds of years before this pregnancy, God had a plan. In fact, he told the prophet, the ancient Jewish prophet Isaiah about it. He said, all right then, the, this is Isaiah writing, all right then, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and we will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. See, this was God's plan all along. God often breaks through the darkness in ways we don't expect or immediately see. God often breaks through the darkness in ways we don't expect or immediately see. And we see that all the time with Jesus, right? That's what Jesus did. When Jesus came and said, yeah, you're right, I am the Messiah, I am the promised Savior, everyone expected that the Messiah would be this warrior priest king who would come and destroy Rome, who would reignite passion for the Torah, for the law of the Jews, and this would be a golden age for the Jewish nation. Instead, he brought light in the most unexpected ways. He refused to be crowned king. He refused to use his power to rule over others. He rejected the traditions and the rules of the religious elite, and he served the poor. He served the sinners. He served the outcasts with his life, with his power. So think about it. Be honest for a second. Is this how you expected your life to go? Have you arrived to where you were planning, what you were hoping? Did you expect life to get as dark as it now seems? Maybe your marriage is a little bit darker than you hoped. Maybe school, especially in 2020, a little bit darker. Maybe having kids didn't turn out the way you, you dreamed or planned or, or your grandkids or your career. Has this year been the year you expected? What darkness do you need God to break through? Is it outside of you? Is it inside of you? Is it both? What darkness do you need God to break through? And so I have this question for all of us. Is it possible God has been using the unexpected to break through in ways you didn't expect? Is it possible God has been using the unexpected to break through in ways you didn't expect? See, it's possible that we've been expecting our lives to take certain paths, paths that we think are, are good and righteous paths. We had good plans. We wanted to help people and, and have this certain life. And we were expecting God to get on board with that path. Like, God, here's the path I want. Get on board. Bless me with this path. We've been so consumed with expecting that, that maybe we haven't been able to see the light that he has been shining this whole time. Maybe we've been distracted by where we wanted to see the light shine through, and it hasn't, that we've missed where he is shining his light through. Maybe it's time to look for the way he is breaking through instead of expecting him to break through in the ways that we want, in the ways that we expect. And so I have a, a simple way that maybe we can start shifting our perspective in this. And it's a simple prayer. It's not, you know, a, a magic chant or anything like that. If you've never prayed, I think you can still handle this. It's very simple. I want you to pray this, especially when you're looking at Christmas lights this Christmas. Say, God, where are you shining your light in my life? Where are you shining your light in my life? Please break through the darkness and help me see you and your light this Christmas. Break through the darkness and help me see you and your light 
this Christmas. And it might not be very bright yet, but I promise you, it's there. It might start with a point of light here, and a point of light there, but it'll start growing and growing until the darkness is completely vanquished and we can see clearly. See, there is no darkness dark enough to extinguish the smallest light of God's love. There is no darkness dark enough to extinguish the smallest light of God's love. And maybe you need to hear this today. There is more than the darkness you've experienced. There's more than we can see. There's more than what we're dealing with right now. There's a light that shines in the darkest parts of our lives. There's something more for us. And it isn't, isn't even something we were looking for, but it changed everything for everyone forever. God is always breaking through the darkness in the most unexpected ways. God is always breaking through the darkness in the most unexpected ways. This Christmas, you are invited to look into the light. You're invited to experience God's love break through the darkness of our world and the darkness that we, we feel inside of us, in our own hearts. How is God breaking through? It's there. So this Christmas, you are invited to look and see what God has done and what he is doing. Bow to babe on bending.
hey, you're still watching, good job. Uh, there's gonna be some more, some questions coming up. Make sure you check those out for your connect groups. Thank you so much to Michael, Donna, and our guy, Aaron, on the fiddle uh, for that song. It was Noel, uh, sung by Lauren Daigle and Chris Tomlin. So thanks for that. But we have a giveaway coming up this week on social media to Noble Wave. Noble Wave Burgers. Should be pretty good. So check that out on social media. And then also, don't forget that we have um, a For Salem opportunity this December, and it's going to be uh, for Room in the Inn, Church of the Park, 12 Days of Christmas. So make sure you check out our social media. We're gonna be gathering a bunch of gloves for our neighbors who are experiencing homelessness. So there's gonna be more in the show notes on that and more on social media, so check it out. And here come your questions, and we'll see you next week. Pastel my teeth? No, you're right here. Ha. Alright, gotcha. <laughs>